every miracle. We thank you for every breakthrough. We thank you that you are so amazing. We thank you that you are the most compassionate being in the entire universe. Father, we thank you that you love us beyond comprehension. Father, we, we stand here, we sit here in your presence today, acknowledging that you are good to us, acknowledging that you are kind to us. And Father, however we came into this room, we know that our lives are not going to be the same again today. After this meeting, God, after this encounter with you, our lives will never be the same again. For we have come into Mount Zion. We have come into the very presence of God today. We've come into the place of our breakthrough. And Father, we thank you today, God, that as we open our eyes, as we open our hearts to receive your word, your word, which is good seed, is falling on good ground today. I ask you to expand our hearts to receive more of you, God, so that we can produce a harvest of a hundredfold in our lives. We thank you, God, for every breakthrough that's going to happen today, for every miracle that is going to happen today, for every healing that is going to happen today, for every sign and wonder that is going to happen today. We thank you, God, in advance. We thank you. But we don't have to look to man. We can look to you as our provider. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And since you are so eager for the word today, I'm telling you, man, you're excited. Wow. Woohoo. Praise Jesus. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18 and we'll continue on, on the series of a mercy. Matthew chapter 18. The title of my message today is A Merciful God. All right. So today you will understand why he is a merciful God and what your role in it is. I just feel like there's just an angel standing on my left today. So I really, it's an angel of healing. So the Lord's going to, he's already started talking to me about healing. That's already happening. So, uh, so if you're sick in your body, I'm going to call it out. I'll tell you when, but not now, when he starts talking to me. Right? Actually, right now, tumors, tumors are disappearing right now. If, if, you, if you have tumors in your breast, on your body, lumps, all that kind of stuff, brain, head, wherever you have tumors, fingers, hands, wherever there are, there is excess, excess fat in the body is melting right now. Yeah. Are you in Matthew 18? You're celebrating miracles more than God's word. Anybody enjoy God's word? Right. Awesome. Just keep your finger on Matthew 18, all right? I'm just going to lay a little bit of foundation of what I want to talk about. We live in a day and age where judgment is very loosely given away, okay? People judge each other, man. You're ugly, man. <laughs> You're too fat. I don't like that. Just easily, just given. We live in a day and age where consequences, people are living in dire consequences because of their actions. 
You understand what I mean? They're living in very, the people are facing severe consequences because of the severity of their crime. Do you understand? For example, we're in a city and the speeding fine has increased from 300 to 600. For some of you who are like shocked, like just wait till you go to the, to do your registration and then you'll find out. Yeah? It's only because the consciousness or the awareness to break the law has reduced. People break the law easier today than it was 10 years ago. So the, so the authorities have to increase the, the, the awareness of punishment so that people stop breaking the law. Are you with me? So judgment is, is being passed down because the government now or people in authority have become aware of the severity of the crime. Do you understand? So, so when, when I was growing up, abusing using bad language, was, oh my God, which means you're, like, you're from hell. Do you understand? And especially if you're a child, using bad language, it's like, oh my gosh, this child, please wash his mouth with some soap. <laughs> today, we've, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lapse. Kids today, man, they just run their mouth and like, like five, six-year-old coming out from a bus one day, I'm listening to them, and all the bad language, and they're laughing at one. <laughs> it's like, they don't, even, they don't even understand that there are consequences to those words. But when they do face the consequences, it is very severe. Do you understand? We live in a, in a media age. The media age takes a crime, takes a problem, takes a flaw, and magnifies it. Everybody, Trump only, he combs his hair wrong. Everybody on the planet knows that he's combed his hair wrong. Forget about what he said. That's another story altogether. They analyze it. Everything that you do. Especially on Facebook. Instagram now is like somebody's riding a bike, they fall down. <laughs> look at look at what, what an idiot. You understand? It's so easy to judge. Don't worry, I'm getting I'm getting to something, don't worry. The consequences of people's actions have become more severe. Because of the awareness of the severity of sin. News channels will take a flaw, a mistake, and they will plaster it across the world. They will talk about a person's problem so that the people are empowered to make a decision. What's happening is that they are taking sin. Listen to me very carefully. They're taking sin and they're magnifying it. In the name of empowering you 
to make the right choice. What's happening is that we're raising up a generation of people who are becoming judges. They're stepping out. Man, do you know Trump? Do you, you only know him based on what the news channels tell you. Have you lived with the guy? No. Do you know how his mind works? No. Why do we say he's a bad president then? It's because media would say something about someone that will cause you to judge. And the issue with, with that is that based on the magnification of a flaw, they're magnifying the need for judgment. And people across the world are judging very easily. When you judge without knowing the truth, you are bringing judgment on yourself. It is better, it's better to bite your tongue than to say something about someone. What the news channels are actually doing is they're making us aware, they're making us conscious of a law which causes us to judge but also sin. The increase of the awareness of sin, if you keep beholding someone's sin, eventually you will actually commit the same sin. Do you understand? I'm grateful to God that my cable TV doesn't work at home. <laughs> I honestly don't care what Narendra Modi does in his, in his country. I really don't care what America does, what America believes. I don't really care. Honestly, I don't, it doesn't even matter. We waste precious words. Talking about something that we have absolutely no control over. Why don't you keep your mouth quiet and talk about that stuff and talk good stuff about your life? Talk good stuff about your boss. Talk good stuff about your colleagues. Talk good stuff about the traffic. Talk good stuff about, the, about this nation. When do we come into a place where we stop listening to the church bickering about the nation that God has called it to rather than, and, 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 and listen to the church speaking life. Do you understand? Today's message is about a merciful God. We're part of a kingdom, you and I, we're part of a kingdom that functions completely differently to how the world functions. The world will judge you according to the law. The world will, will, will expose your sin so that you can be judged. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. The kingdom of God works according to the nature, the character, and the ability of God. And his nature first is to be compassionate. 
His nature first is to love. His nature first is to have mercy. Psalm 103 verse 11 says, As high as the, the heavens are from the earth, so great, so vast is his mercy towards those who fear the Lord. Not fear the law, fear the Lord. It's amazing how it, it, it's vital for us to understand that fear of the Lord is a lifestyle. Reverence of the Lord is a lifestyle that is rooted in a person who understands that they've received mercy. If you don't understand that God has been merciful to you, you won't be merciful to somebody else. So the context of my message today is as you have received, give. You understand? The context of my message today is as God has been merciful to you, now you be merciful to people around you. Man, you should have been judged. You should have hung on that cross. You should have paid the price with your life. But he chose to pay the price. And only because you chose to believe in him, he washed your sin completely and he released forgiveness and mercy over you. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. The book of Lamentations, not Lamentations, Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Oh my gosh. Now you must understand what I'm trying to get at today, okay? God is in heaven, you are on the earth. God is in you on the earth. So heaven is in you on the earth, okay? God's love is steadfast. Which means your love needs to be. If your love changes according to the scenario, it's not steadfast. If your love changes according to the person in front of you, oh, I love Kelsey so much, she's my wife. But then Alejandro comes, then my love becomes less. If your love it's, there's different types of love, okay? Please, just don't, don't go into that, that silly thinking. I know what you're thinking. But if my attitude towards Alejandra is not rooted in love, then I have not understood mercy. Because in order for me to experience love, I should have experienced God's mercy. In order for me to experience God's grace, I first have to experience mercy. In order for me to experience a breakthrough, man... A miracle, even a headache being healed. It first has, he has to have mercy on you. We cannot treat people without the consciousness of mercy. We cannot look at people without the consciousness of mercy. I have to sometimes come into church when I'm preaching and I have to look at you with mercy. <laughs> Because honestly, it takes so much of hard work to wake up on a Friday 
We have service at three o'clock. So hard. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, four hours, three hours service. My God. And then you have to listen to this guy for an hour and a half. Wow. I really look at you with mercy. Because if I don't look at you with mercy, I cannot give you the word that gives you the breakthrough. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, really, I really believe that through this sermon series, that our perspective of God as a mean, angry, judgmental, moody, bitter, wanting to punish you the minute you make a mistake, God is changing. It's changing from that to a God who is compassionate, who looks at you with love, who is more eager to bless you than you are to receive your blessing. If we could only just, just have this perspective, we will see so much of breakthrough in our lives. Do you understand? But our perspective is changing. I can see it. I can see it in your face. Your perspective of God as an angry God is changing. He's not an angry God. He's a merciful God. A merciful God. Right now, the, I'm hearing that cancer, someone's cancer reports are being cleared. Cancer reports are being cleared. Yeah. We celebrate it because it's mercy. Cancer. Cancer is being healed. Yeah. And someone's wrist, uh, you were not having, uh, you're not being able to move your wrist, both wrists. Uh, the Lord is healing it right now. If that's you, just move your wrist right now. The Lord is just healing you right now. So are you in Matthew chapter 18? Very good. Let's read from um, verse 21. Are you there? Okay. Then Peter came to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Ooh, it's that message today, isn't it? That's why I've been, I've been taking it slow so that you get it, okay? Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. 22, Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So I calculated it, it's 490 times, Okay. 490 times. Some husbands and wives who've been married for a while say, Pastor, the quota's already finished. <laughs> 490 times I've already exercised forgiveness. Can I judge? <laughs> no, no, no. No, just don't do that. The context of what Jesus is talking about is actually seen in Cain's story. Genesis chapter 4. Don't need to go there. Where Cain... Uh, kills his brother and he goes before God and God says, he pronounces just you will be messed up and all that kind of stuff. Gives him a really bad prophetic word. Okay? And Cain responds to God saying, I wish I was dead. God says, no. 
anyone that kills Cain will be avenged up to seven times. So Peter is asking Jesus in that context. Why? Because it's passed down from... You understand? When this is the awareness of the law, this is the awareness of sin. If my brother sins against me seven times, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, slap on the face. Eighth time you're going to get it. So Peter's saying, Peter's asking Jesus, up to 70 times, seven, 490 times. 490 times is actually what Cain's grandson, Lamech, actually says. He decides, I want to have two wives. So he goes and gets two wives. And then while he's in the field one day, a young guy tries to take him on. And he tries to hurt him, and Lamech kills him. Do you understand? Sin passed down from generation to generation. Just leave that anyways. Don't worry about it. So Lamech now decides to prophesy over his life. Anybody who tries to kill me shall be avenged 70 times 7. So Jesus is saying, Baba, it's not about judgment. God did not want Cain to die. God wanted Cain to live. But he wanted to use a Cain as a testimony of what happens when you disobey God. When you step out of righteousness, there are certain consequences. Death wasn't one of them. Death wasn't part of the plan. So God said, anybody that touches a guy who even sins, who has killed his own brother, I will avenge them. Up to seven times. Lamech decides, I'm going to take God's word. I'm going to multiply it by 490. And Jesus is trying to say, it's not about that. It's about being merciful. It's about forgiving. It's about coming to, into the place where God is before you judge. Understanding his nature and his character is that he doesn't want to judge you. He wants to be merciful to you first. Do you understand? And so now Jesus goes on to teach a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. There you go. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Hello. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Anybody in accounts here? Anybody working in accounts? Very good. Very good. God is coming to settle accounts with you. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Maybe I, I don't know if you, you're, you're catching what is happening here. This, is not, this parable is not about judgment. This is not about the, the shrewd master. This is not about the master who wants to settle accounts. It's not about the accounts. 
the master, this parable is about mercy. It's about a, about a God who is merciful. Now I want to tell you something. A talent in, in those days was made of gold. Okay? And one talent, okay, one talent was 33 kgs of gold. Okay, so one kg of gold in our time and age is forty-one dollars. I did the calculation. Don't think about it. I just I'll tell you. Okay, trust me. Okay, it's forty-one dollars a kg of gold. Forty-one thousand. Sorry, forty-one. Thank you. Forty-one thousand dollars for a kg of gold. Now you multiply that times thirty-three. It is fourteen billion dollars. Ten thousand talents. Okay, 10,000 talents is equal to $14 billion in our time. Now you know why mercy is important. This is a king, not a businessman. A king has a lot of gold. And when he gives, he makes an investment, he's looking to see what's happened with my investment. What have you done with my investment? How many of you believe you are talented? Right. Gifted? Where do you think they came from? Right. So one day he's going to settle accounts with you. So don't underestimate your talent. Because your talent, one of it, equals to 1.4 billion. 1.4 million dollars. If you were to take your talent, there's no one else like you on the planet. The value of a heavenly talent in earthly standards, 1.4 million. You are worth sitting in this room. Oh. I, I think these people celebrate. You're not poor. God did not put rubbish in you. Sitting in this room. You don't need qualification from this world. Sitting in this room by yourself, you are worth 1.4 million. You don't need properties for that. Just by yourself. When you are worth 1.4 million, now walk into your client's office. You're not going to beg. Because you're worth it. Touch your neighbor and say, you're worth it. You're worth it. And so now... This, this guy comes before the master and look at his statement. The, the, the king wants to sell the guy. If you are sold, there's a value on your life. Have you heard of this statement, don't sell your soul? Hmm? If you obey another voice, you're selling what is God's to the devil. If you're not using what God has given you for his kingdom. Oh, pastor, you know, we, we've received a, 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 a mental of business. Wow, wow, wow. I'm going to step out in business. And when business gets successful, um, hey, buddy, your business is God's business. Your, your, uh, your, everything that you earn is not yours. Everything you earn, you're a steward of it. That business belongs to God. That money that you earn belongs to God. So you honor God. No, no. 
You honor God with your heart. Your, even a hair on your body belongs to God. It was given to you. You didn't earn it. Do you understand? You are, let me tell you something. I'll put it in a, in a nicer way. You are owned. What happens when you give your life to Jesus? You, you give your life to Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, you've lost the, the right to make decisions over your life. Hello. Some people are like, oh, you know, I, I don't want, I, I, I'll go to that church and I'll go to that church and I'll go to that church and I'll go to that church. Wow, what are you doing? Go to God and ask him, where would you like me to go? And when he decides where you should go, then go there and serve and give you 100% over there. Do you understand? The reason why Karen and Carlos and people in this church are, are being blessed is because they give their 100%. They wake up in the morning and they, are, they, are, they, 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 they got a warehouse next to the vibe. Not anywhere else, just next to the vibe. Their cleaner is our cleaner. If I need the door to be open for the worship practice, they are there. Do you understand? I'm not asking them, hey, can you please, can you please do this? Can you please? They've taken the responsibility of the house upon their shoulder and they said, listen, this is God's house. I exist for God's kingdom. Your talent, your gift, everything, everything belongs to God. And trust me, a time is coming. Brother, not after you die. This guy was still alive. We're not scared of judgment. Let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of being judged, man. People are scared. Ooh, I don't know how God is going to judge me. You know what the sins I made. No, no, no. If you have the lens of a merciful God, you will stand before him as you are. You understand the word. The word says, come boldly before the throne of grace and ask and receive mercy and grace. So in, in times of your need, you need the mercy of God. You don't have it. You need the mercy of God. So come into his presence and just say, God, I've messed up. <laughs> I've messed up. I, I need you. I need your mercy. And he releases mercy. And when you receive his mercy, then walk away like a prince. Because what you've received is a talent. You received, when he gives you mercy, you have received something that has no earthly value. It is so valuable. It's so valuable in the kingdom. Even angels, you, you will judge angels. Oh, I wish you get it. I wish you just understand how, how important it is for you to first receive mercy. If you receive mercy, you will give that's what he's talking about in this place here. You've, he gave him a talent, 10,000 talents. Wow. How many of you have more than one talent? Put your hand up. More than one talent. Come on. Put your hand up. Maybe more than two? More than three? More than five? You've not counted? How many of you are intelligent? 
Right, very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How many of you are alive? How many of you have not been hungry in your life? Hungry. Hungry. How many of you have not been hungry? Like how many of you have been full all your life? Like you've never, like God has always taken care of you. You've always eaten. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, you're intelligent. You just put your hand up. <laughs> everything that you received, everything, every morsel of rice that you've eaten, every mashed potato that you ever ate, every steak and, and, and kidney pie that you've ever eaten, Hallelujah, Jesus, praise the Lord. Every time you put your... <laughs> every time you pull those ribs apart and you... Mm. Hey. And every time you smell that meat on the barbecue... Hey, listen, everything is mercy. Everything is a talent coming to you. Do you understand? God will not feed you if, he, if you did not need the strength to do something for his kingdom. That's why the king wanted to sell the guy. He was so valuable. Sell him, his wife, and his children. And all that he had so that the payment be made. Then the servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have, listen to the request. Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But look at mercy. The king did not even listen to the guy. He was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him his debt. $14 billion. That's a lot of zeros. $14 billion debt. The king said, he just asked for, can you please be patient? I will pay you. And he forgave him his debt. That's what mercy looks like. You're going to God and saying, God, I will, I will be a better Christian. God, I promise you, I, will, I promise you, God, I will give my tithe and offering. And I promise you, my business belongs to you. And he's not listening to you. It's because he doesn't give you according to the measure of what you ask. He gives you according to the measure of his love. And his love is unconditional. His love, he gives you according to how he feels about you. Now just think about your finances like that. Yeah. You're going to ask God and ask him, God, give me this bill. Pay, help me pay this bill. And God's like, I want to give you a bank. Nah, your faith is too small. That's why you're not celebrating it. Yeah. You need to understand, God, you're asking God, can I pay my credit card bill? And God is giving you a business that can pay everybody's credit card's bills. Come on, man. God's not interested in just blessing you. He wants to bless the world through you. Why do you limit yourself only to you and your family? Mercy is for everyone. Your talent is for everyone. 
Not only when you get paid. Man, I've served in church all my life and I've never asked the church for a dime. Never. Never. You know why? It's because I've been fully paid. No, no, no. You don't get it. I've been fully paid for at the cross. Fully paid. He doesn't need to do anything anymore for me. He doesn't need to give me money. He doesn't need to bless me anymore. Just the fact that he wiped all my sin away and he saved me from perishing and brought me into his kingdom was more than enough. More than enough. But even with that, he decides to bless my finances. He decides to bless me with a good wife. He decides to bless me with a good church. He blessed me with a good job. He blessed me with a good salary. He blessed us with good kids. He blessed me with dogs. He blessed me with a car. I can keep going on and on and on and on. He didn't need to do that, but he chose to do it. Only so that, man, he taught me English so that I could speak to you. I did not go to music school to study music. I don't know how music functions. But all I know is that when I hear that sound, there's a song that rises up on the inside. I did not know how to play the keys. I don't know how to play the drums. But when I was six and seven years old, I said, God, if you'll use me, if you'll use me for your kingdom, I will do anything for you. And then he decides to say, take a guitar from, from the inside of my father's cupboard, which was rotting, which was open. And he said, take this now. Now I'll teach you. And the Holy Spirit would teach me how to hold chords on the guitar. And then he would teach me. And then I would learn how to sing. I did not even have a good voice, but the Lord started teaching me how to sing. He, before I could sing for people, I was finding pleasure in him. So that when people clap, I don't, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even move me out as much as when he smiles. Listen, you must come into a place where, you're, where you understand that your life is not yours anymore. It belongs to him. You live for him. You breathe for him. You, he gives you a purpose for you to fulfill. He's mapped out your life. And it is awesome. It is awesome. It is awesome. He says that I will not allow my servants to go begging for bread. Never. You have to come into a place where you understand the sovereignty of God in your life. He is awesome. He is so good that goodness that you have experienced from man just pales to nothing in front of his goodness. He's a phenomenal God. He's a phenomenal God. Amen, amen, amen. But then, verse 28 happens. This is where an unrenewed mind starts operating. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow church members. <laughs> Sole, I'm telling you. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii is made of silver, not gold, which means he did not take the king's money and give it to the servant. It was his own. You understand? And that denarii was about a hundred denarii, which is equal to $11,000 in today, 
today is a mark. Look at what he did. He laid hands on him. Didn't pray for him. <laughs> he laid hands on him. Not fivefold, but tenfold. And took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, listen to these words, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into a prison till he should pay the debt. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants in church saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master, who is the pastor, <laughs> all, <laughs> all that had been done. Oh my gosh. And the pastor picked up his phone <laughs> and called that servant in. Yeah, no, no, just kidding. That's, that's old, old Testament, Old Testament. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. I want to I wanna just, just look at me for one minute, okay? Are you looking at me? You don't have to say yes, but I can see you. <laughs> they went to the master when they were grieved. They didn't go to each other. I want to tell you, gossip is from the pit of hell. Gossip is a snake with poison. When you have a problem with someone and you see something that you don't like, go to the Lord. Because the Lord who gave that person the talent will hold that person accountable. But it's not your responsibility to go to someone and talk about someone. Especially in church. I've, I've released people from this church for gossiping and not repenting. I don't hesitate to stamp that snake. I don't take gossip and people who talk about one another and push it under the carpet because I want you to come to my church. When we can't find good things to talk about people, keep your mouth shut. Very simple. Very simple. Straight. Just straight. We've got to learn how to point out the Christ in people. You won't see people's negativity if you're only looking at positivity on the inside. If your mind is filled with good things, then you will see everything as good things. But I want to encourage you. Stop talking negative about people. You are causing the same body to be poisoned. You are poisoning the very body that is praying for your breakthrough. You're literally shooting yourself in your foot. Please, I'm asking you. When the Lord showed me this, he pointed it out to me and he asked me to speak to you about it. If anybody, you hear, oh, sister so-and-so is, uh, hey, you know, can we pray together for this uh, brother, you know? Oh, what's happening? What's happening? It'll come very subtle. Very subtle. 
just if it's negative, just say I'm not interested. Shut it down. Just shut it down. Quickly. Just have no part in it. Because trust me, you need to fill your your mind with the word of God. Not with junk. I've seen churches rise and fall because of gossip. I've seen churches, pastors' lives destroyed because of the lies of people who did not like their choices. But I want to tell you something. This is no place for gossip. This is God's house. This is not your house. This is God's house. And we must come into a place where we start speaking life to one another, man. You see someone's negativity? Speak positive. Speak positive. It's good. It's good. You see someone's flaw? Cover them. Don't expose them. You're not CNN. Do you understand? We must cover each other. Must protect each other. Anybody outside of this church is saying something negative, stamp it. How dare they talk about you? How dare they talk about the guy who's standing next to me praying for me, man? How can you say something like that? We must come into a place where we value the body we are part of. This is where God has called us. Okay? Thank you. So when his fellow servants saw what he'd done, gone to the master. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. This is a servant in the master's house. Okay? And Jesus says this. Please pay attention to this. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I think I need to read it again for you. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. (laughs) So my heavenly father, this is not the apostle talking. This is the son of God. Talking. So my heavenly father will also do to you. He's, he's not talking to the scribes and Pharisees here. He's talking to his disciples. The ones who believe him. If you don't forgive from your heart. Christians are pretty good at forgiving externally. Really cool, man. Oh, no, 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 I I forgive, I forgive. I'm still hurt, but I... (laughs) God's not looking at how externally you worship. He's looking at how internally you worship. Your forgiveness is a state of the heart. And if you don't forgive from the heart, he allows you to be tormented by torturers. 
just think about why would God the Father, listen to me very carefully, why would God the Father, who's a good God, huh, allow you to experience suffering? Think, just think about it. Just think about it. As a good father who wants to bless you, and he wants you to experience the blessing in your life, why would he allow you to experience suffering? Unless you've made the choice. You've opened the door. You've judged. You've caught someone by their throat. Oh, I held him against his word. Really? Who are you? Oh, pastor, you know, you're preaching your, your, your word and you, what you do. Uh, Christians have said this so many times. Who are you, man? Come on. Who are you? Your responsibility is to forgive. Your responsibility is not to judge. Your responsibility is to have mercy. Not hold someone by their throat and send them to prison till they pay you back. Oh, you know, brother, that person owes me an apology. Really now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Forgiveness is a provision that Jesus Christ made for you 2,000 years ago. When someone does something wrong to you, someone hurts you, make the provision of forgiveness for them. So that one day, when the time comes, that they need to step into a place of forgiveness, it's already been made for them. You know what you've done? Is you've stepped into Christ-likeness. The same way that God made a provision for healing 2,000 years ago. You can today say, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I'm healed. In the same way, make a provision for mercy. Make a provision for forgiveness. Make a provision for kindness. Make a provision for, for, for you to be free. Oh, come on. Come on now. You've got to come into a place where you receive in order to give. Jesus is really clear about something. He says, if you don't forgive your brother, his trespasses, which means he has done those things to you. He has spoken about you. He has blasphemed you. He has made all accusations. Trust me, I've been through this myself. And I was like, God. <laughs> I went to God. I said, like, God, how can, the, how can these people talk to me like this? How can these people talk about me like this? How can they lie about me like this? Christians, not even people outside in the world. Actually, the people outside in the world were treating me better than the church was. It's sad, isn't it? That we treat Christians through such a lens that is so condemning because the expectation is higher for you to be Christ-like. Trust me, 
we are all, we all make mistakes. We can't judge someone's mistakes when we walk in our own. Because the minute you judge someone, you're judging yourself. Because when you stand before God, maybe you don't do, you don't use swear words. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're, you're renewed in that place. But you're the one who's actually looking at pornography. Hello. Are you with me? We can't pretend to be holier in front of people and in front of God. You have to be yourself. And you can't judge people, really, according to their flaws. In fact, if you see their flaws, your responsibility is to extend mercy. <laughs> I know it's getting heavier on you, but it's okay. The standard is increasing week by week. Trust me, we live by the standard, man. We, we, we encounter people who have spoken badly about us. I mean, I've encountered people who've called me demon-possessed. <laughs> yeah, that guy, he's demon-possessed, man. He's deceived. <laughs> there was a point in time where I used to be like, let me explain myself, brother. I'm not deceived. You know, I'm receiving the word of God. I had a vision. I had a word. And the word of God is saying this. And one day God said, just stop talking. Just stop trying to explain yourself. I trust you. He says, I know your heart. You know, it's completely one thing when people say, brother, I know your heart towards me. Because it might change later. But when God says he knows your heart. Oh. That means he's seen your heart from beginning all the way into eternity and he does not find a flaw in it. In fact, he finds himself in your heart. And I, and I would go before God and say, God, these people. And he says, I love you. God, these people are accusing me. They're judging me. They're spoiling my name in this city. Today, pastors don't want to talk to me because these people have spoiled my name. And God said, I love you. I love your name. I gave you your name. I called you by your name. Don't worry about what people have to say. Worry, think about what I think about you. We have to come into a place where we leave this bickering world aside. And we just stand before God and say, what you think about me matters to me. What you have to say about my life matters more to me than anything else in this world. Trust me, we, if we come into a place where we live like this, we'd be the happiest place on earth. Disney would come to find out what is, what is happening with us. Do you understand? The standard is increasing, isn't it? We're not trying to preach to another church. We're trying, this is our standard. We will live by the standard. We will live by the standard. And don't feel the weight of it because you've received mercy and because you've received mercy from God, now God will give you the grace to not gossip. God will give you the grace not to, not to backbite. God will give you the grace not to be worried about what people have to say. Today Gemma wore yellow, today Mario wore black. Oh my God, you know. Uh, what, what is that all about, man? That's not even, 
Let's not even worry about stuff like that, you know? <gasps> Pastor is becoming gray. Oh, too much tension, too much tension. <laughs> Pastor is not even worried about stuff that you're worried about. Pastor says, whoa, man, you know, you're, how, how, how are you working so hard? You're everywhere, every place. Grace. 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 I understand that God has mercy on me. That's why when I see people who said I was demon-possessed, I can, I can go up to them and love them with, with such a compassion in my heart. In fact, let me tell you, let me prophesy something about over you today. Your enemies who spoke against you will come to you for forgiveness. They will come to you wanting to be your friend. They will come to you and they will sit at your feet and they will want to learn from you. Because you've demonstrated a level of Christ that is unlike any human. We're not just normal people. Do you understand? Life Church Global is not a normal church. We don't do normal things. We're called to a higher standard, man. Called to a higher standard of life. The reason for me talking about this is because as God is to you, the expectation from God is for you to be the people. As he is to you, in the same way he expects you to be to someone else. Let me tell you something. When you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, anybody righteous? Abraham, it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness every time he believed God. When you believe God's word today, whatever I'm saying, when you believe it, it is being pushed, righteousness is being, how do I, <laughs> I get so excited when I talk about this. Because righteousness, the provision has already been made. Every time you believe God's word, you have access to a new level of righteousness. You mature in righteousness every time you believe God's word. And every time you believe God's word, now your relationship with him gets closer and closer and closer. Why? Because he's attracted to righteousness. He's attracted to righteousness. He's attracted to people who are right with him because he trusts those people. Those people who are right with him are the ones who will understand what stewardship of the kingdom is. Do you understand? Abraham was just doing his thing on the earth. If you, if you, for, your, for your reference, it's Genesis 18. He was just doing his thing and one day, God decides to come to the earth. It's a, it's a pretty good thing when God comes to the earth. He, can't, he comes with two other angels and he sits and looks at Abraham sitting under a tree. And Abraham says, come stay with me for a little while. Let me serve you. Let me worship you. Let me honor you. So God decides to stay. And then the reason why God, he begins to tell you the reason why he came. He wanted to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. But on his way to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, let me go see my friend. <laughs> no, you're not understanding mercy. <laughs> you need to understand. You think, oh, God is late. No, no, no. It's mercy, 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 mercy. <laughs> Actually, let, read it. Let's read it. Genesis 18. Because it's so beautiful. I, I would encourage you, every time you hear the Lord speak in his word, read it. 
don't read the explanation read jesus's word read the word that god speaks i mean it will completely change your life verse um 17 then the lord said shall i hide from abraham what i'm doing come on man any righteous people here today when was the last time god spoke to you about something he's doing because that's the access it's not just a prophet that hears god come on <laughs> come on every single person sitting in this room and hearing the sound of my voice if you are if you believe jesus as your lord and savior you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus if you're righteous now he trusts you with word no 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 he trusts you with word so he'll come to you and he'll share what he's about to do okay then he then he testifies of abraham he tells him he he tells us why he chose abraham since abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him sure which means all the nations of the earth were still in abraham while god came to speak to him <laughs> verse 19 for i have known him in order yeah this is where it is for i have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the lord to do righteousness and justice that the lord may bring to abraham what he has spoken to him and then verse 20 then the lord said because the outcry against sodom and gomorrah is great just listen to it okay and because their sin is very grave i will go down now and see whether they have done all together look at me these two cities were full of sin like absolutely terrible sin their sin went up to god as a cry for judgment do you understand there was an outcry of sin and god it got god's attention and god went to see whether everybody in those cities were in sin now oh, come on come on i hope you get it how many righteous people in this church God comes to a city because of the outcry of sin but he wants to see whether everybody is sinning God could have released judgment from heaven because it's an outcry the whole city is crying out in sin he could have released judgment but he said let me come and check and see if there are any righteous any righteous people in dubai any righteous people in abu dhabi any righteous people in africa any righteous people in america any righteous people in india because the church has been saying god this the city is full of sin and, and the church is crying out asking god to judge but god's coming to the earth to look for righteous people have they all sinned together are they all in sin are the righteous mixed up in the sin 
Or is it only sinners in that place? And so Abraham now, Abraham negotiates with God. He comes to a righteous man because he knows that a righteous man will recognize righteous people. Come on now. Anybody righteous in this place? Very good. This is why I'm saying be merciful to one another. <laughs> this is why I'm saying keep, shh, don't talk. Because you are exposing the sin of a righteous person. God has come to you saying, should I bless this person or not? And you, if you are crying out to him saying, God, this person has done this. God, this person, this person instead of saying, God, have mercy. They are righteous. They're Christians. They're unrenewed in their mind. They're not as renewed as we are. But I ask you to have mercy. And God wants to bring judgment upon the city and he starts negotiating. What if there are 50 people? Would you still judge the, the city? Oh my God. There's persecution against the churches in this city. I stood up and said, persecution doesn't bring us together. Jesus brings us together. Church doesn't get united because of persecution. In fact, when there's persecution, the church breaks out. And even while it breaks out, God still uses it. That's how the church grew. But for us to be united as a church, as the body of Christ in a city, God uses Jesus. Why? Because the master plan of Jesus in the book of Ephesians, the master plan of God the Father, is to bring everything under the feet of Jesus. So Jesus is the one who unites the church, not a church meeting. Are you with me? So when people say, brother, this is a, I'm, I'm bringing the church together, it's like, wow, I didn't know that you were Jesus. But anyway, Jesus will bring the church by himself. How does he bring the church together? By the word. When the, when the churches together start believing the same word. When they start believing the same word and they're not fighting against each other with doctrines. That's when the church will start getting united. Here yeah, the issue is that pastor so-and-so has a doctrine and he believes this is the only right doctrine. Problem is it's becoming a denomination. It's not becoming one nation. We are coming to, you need to understand how God functions. The way he functions is not like the world. The church is slowly morphing into a worldly system. But life, church, global, is, is being transformed into a heavenly system. Do you understand? We understand righteousness. We understand what God requires. God requires us to be righteous. And we are righteous because of grace. We receive grace because of mercy. But when we have received mercy. He comes to you and me and he points out a flaw in a person. He, he, that person gets exposed in front of you. Somebody says something negative. Donald Trump, for example. The news says something negative about him. What do you say then? Because he's come to you in that moment. And he's like, the city is crying out for judgment. That person's sin is crying out for judgment. But do I have someone 
in the church who has received mercy from me that will extend mercy to a person that deserves judgment. Powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. We can't think just because we're Christians that our responsibility is over. Mercy is received and given. I'm telling you, I've being in worship, I've seen people's flaws. Being in church, I've seen people's flaws like crazy. I'm telling you, it's just, it's just. And the Lord one day asked me, it's like if I expose their flaws to you, will you judge them? <laughs> I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> he says, that's why I will not reveal their hearts to you. If you ever have a desire to move in the prophetic gifts, word of knowledge, all that kind of stuff, prophecy, you've got to understand that you have received mercy first. When I look at people, when I look at you, the reason why I'm so patient, somebody was asking me why I'm so patient with people. <laughs> when, when the things that people say and do to me, being the pastor of this church is another story altogether. But why am I so patient? It's because he's patient with me. Understand? It's a key to bringing transformation in the world. You want to bring transformation? We have a mandate for global transformation. How do we do that? Mercy. But you have to understand that you go to God for mercy. When you go to God for mercy, he gives you mercy, but it's a talent. It's a talent that he gives you. And when he gives you that talent, he expects you to do something with that talent. Because he's coming back to you to sing, I want an account of what you've done with the mercy I've given you. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. You did great. You did great. <clears throat>